You are listening to ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. Pay for performance, or P4P mania, is sweeping the nation, but some say it's like the emperor's new clothes. Nobody wants to say that they don't see the point. Welcome to the Business of Medicine. I'm your host, Dr. Larry Caskell. Joining me today is Wayne Guillomo, who has been an award-winning healthcare reporter with medical economics since 1995. He covers practice management, legal affairs, and health policy, and writes the magazine's perspective column. Welcome, Wayne. Hi, Dr. Caskell. How are you? I am well, thanks. Wayne, can you tell me why this subject of patient adherence or compliance is so important? Well, it's always been important for physicians, as you know well. There's a famous sort of line attributed to Hippocrates that cautions doctors to be alert to patients' tendency to lie about the taking of things prescribed. So at least back then, uh, patients were saying they were doing one thing but actually doing another. Now it takes on a special urgency because it's so important in terms of high-quality care and cost-effective health care that patients actually follow the regimens and uh, other kind of lifestyle changes that doctors advise. The Consumer Reports National Research Center recently surveyed physicians on a whole range of subjects, and among patient behaviors that doctors found the most troubling, uh, the one that came out on top was non-adherence to advice given by physicians. And so for physicians, it's a very important thing. And overall, for high-quality, cost-effective health care, it is certainly important. You know, as a physician, we are advisors, we are consultants to the patient's health, and we really cannot enforce what a patient does once they leave the office. It's very difficult for even an outside source to come in and say that the doctor must now be responsible for enforcing a certain behavior. That's exactly right. A lot of doctors we talk to, and I'm sure this includes you, you know, can give their best advice on what to do. Uh, lose weight, alter the diet, stop smoking, take this medication or that. But ultimately, the patient uh, is autonomous uh, and can do what he or she wants after they leave the office. The problem is that that complicates treatment uh, when advice is not being followed. Right. Well, now with electronic medical records, it's very easy to hand the patient something when they leave the office with exactly what was talked about in that visit and the recommendations right down in pen and paper. Absolutely. And I, and I think certainly if clarity is important, uh, the patient knowing what he or she needs to do is important. Uh, and, and that's a big step to have it all written out. And actually, it's now printed and it's not in uh, hand scratch or the physician's handwriting. So, Wayne, how is this era of pay for performance and other quality incentives complicated uh, the question of compliance? Well, we've talked about how compliance has always been important, uh, perhaps particularly today in an era of such an emphasis on cost containment and, and high-quality medicine. But along comes pay for performance, and it's, it's saying to doctors, doctors, we're going to reward you, incentivize you, if you will, based on either uh, outcome measures or process measures. And that raises uh, some interesting questions. If physicians are dealing with recalcitrant, non-adherent patients, and they know that uh, ultimately, down the line, at the end of the day, uh, they're going to be judged, rewarded, on how well they have gotten their 
patients to do any number of things, uh, lifestyle changes or taking certain kinds of measures, then that sets up uh, a possible dilemma. Do they stay with that patient and, you know, make sure that patient does what he or she has to do? Or do they think about, you know, sort of drawing the line and saying, you really need to think about perhaps seeing another physician? So I can see that in my own practice, I would start uh, cherry picking and picking patients that are really going to have a good outcome and get rid of the ones that I know are not going to listen to me. Well, that's exactly right. And that's, that really is the perhaps unintended consequence of pay for performance. If physicians start cherry picking, uh, obviously it's easier to do better if you're only picking patients that will either comply with you or are, in a, in a larger sense, uh, easy cases, just as it is uh, easier to do well when you drop patients that are, for lack of a better term, lemons. Wayne, in your opinion, who do you think is behind this whole push for P4P? Well, it is certainly coming from two different sources. Uh, certainly, the government is interested in cost containment, and one way of doing that is to uh, incentivize physicians uh, who have better process measures, who are able to get their patients to do certain things or who administer certain tests during office visits, and they're certainly moving in the direction of better outcome measures in order to uh, make health care more efficient. And it's also coming from the private sector. In fact, probably the private sector is uh, taking its cue from the government and, and seeing this as an opportunity to also cut costs and improve quality. So not only is Big Brother going to be in our bedrooms, they're going to be in our exam rooms. And historically, when someone else tries to tell a doctor how to practice medicine, the doctor really just becomes a robot and starts doing checklists, and the relationship between the doctor and the patient evaporates, and it strikes me as sad. That is one possible consequence of that, but it need not be if the systems, the quality incentive systems, are designed in a way to be reasonable rather than ways of simply making it possible for either doctors or patients to succeed. So a staged approach, as in the government's physician voluntary reporting program, makes a little more sense. I think it does, and I think it has already begun. Physicians are being asked on a voluntary basis to gather data about certain quality measures. I think in time what we will do is move from that simple reporting to actual monitoring of certain process measures. And ultimately, the goal is to look at and measure and quantify clinical outcomes in a range of diseases to see if we can improve those through the use of uh, incentives. Can you elaborate a little bit on the certain steps that take place in this staged approach? The steps, uh, again, are all leading to looking at clinical outcomes. And there are physicians who make the case that once we move from the simple reporting and monitoring of process measures and actually look at clinical outcomes, that we, we really need to move from the individual physician's office to, to looking at populations of patients, 
Dr. Elliot Fisher, a professor of medicine at Dartmouth, says that unless we do that, we really not get a sense of how doctors working together uh, are, are trying to improve the health of a given population. He also makes it clear that if we do look at how doctors collaborating together, whether part of a large multi-specialty group or solo practitioners connected to a particular hospital that is taking care of patients in a certain geographical area, uh, when we do that, we need to look at the population itself because not every population presents the same problems. And the last thing we want to do is penalize physicians in areas where the populations present particularly difficult problems. It is one thing to be working in a upper-middle-class suburb where the patients come in and read the printouts and adhere to the doctor's advice and, you know, generally do all the things that people do, exercise, eat right, uh, don't smoke, lose weight. It's another thing to be in a neighborhood dealing with a population where there may be some really difficult problems, either because of background or because of economic status. And the physicians that deal with those populations, those risk factors need to be adjusted so those physicians aren't penalized. Right. I definitely think there has to be two separate types of judgments for an inner city physician versus a suburban physician because absolutely they're not going to get the same outcomes. Is anyone doing this, Wayne? I don't know of anyone that is practicing this way yet. It's still in a very uh, preliminary, very nascent stage. I think, though, that there are attempts often monitored by academic physicians like Dr. Uh, Fisher to, to see how a collaborative approach, uh, physicians working with other physicians to take care of a designated population can work. And I think that what we need is more data. We certainly need to see those things that work and make sure those things are taught to uh, our residents and indeed to uh, physicians uh, out in the community. Can you jump ahead into the future a little bit, take us along a timeline, if you will, of when you think this uh, P4P will actually hit I think it's uh, it's kind of like rolling thunder. It, it's building momentum. It is happening increasingly uh, widely in the private sector with various kinds of variations on a theme. And it will certainly happen in government, uh, Medicare. Right now we're, we're in the reporting stage, but P4P will be growing as we move forward. And I think the important thing for the physician community, and all the physicians we talk to really say this, the important thing is that the physicians be at the table when these programs are designed so that they are designed in a way that physicians are not placed in an impossible circumstance leading to unintended consequences that no one wants or that physicians who deal with high-risk populations are being penalized. So it's, I, I think it's essential, whether it's the private sector or the public sector, that physicians be at the table when these systems are being designed. So like it or not, this is happening. We cannot stop it, and we should involve ourselves as much as possible in the process so that uh, unrealistic expectations are not created. 
I think that's exactly right. Do you foresee any unintended consequences that may happen as a result of P4P? Well, I I think that uh, if designed poorly, if if doctors are presented with goals and uh, other kinds of outcome measures or even process measures that are just as impossible to achieve, you very well may get a certain number of doctors uh, doing some of the things that we talked about, the lemon dropping, the cherry picking, the deciding that some patients are just simply not worth the effort because they carry uh, a sort of bad news, economic news for the doctor, to put it very bluntly. I want to thank our guest, Wayne Guillomo, who has been an award-winning healthcare reporter with medical economics since 1995. I'm Dr. Larry Kaskill. You have been listening to The Business of Medicine on ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. For comments and questions, send your email to xm at reachmd.com. Thank you for listening.